1959, a group of experienced hikers uh, went on an expedition, and that was the last time any of them were seen alive. Their bodies were found a few days later, and no one has any idea what happened. And because this story took place in Russia, and the Russians are notoriously, you know, a little mysterious about the way they go about doing things, uh, this story has gotten a lot of attention and a lot of conspiracies have risen around it. And we're going to discuss the Dyatlov Pass incident this week on Our Weird World. Our Weird World. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson. And uh, yeah, like I said, today we're going to be talking about the Dyatlov Pass incident. Um, just kind of a, a lot of weird circumstances around um, just how this group of hikers died, um, you know, and kind of just the story that people have been able to piece together, um, you know, just based on what little evidence that investigators were able to find once they were able to locate, uh, you know, all, all of the bodies. So, um, we're going to go over the story. We'll look at some of the conspiracies around it and, uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, we think about it. So the story starts in late 1958 when a, a group of students from the Earl Polytechnic Institute in Ekaterinburg, Russia, decided they had really nothing better to do with their lives. And they organized a skiing expedition across the northern Ural Mountains. And I, I think it's Ural. Maybe it's Ural. I don't know. It's U-R-A-L. And I know when I say it, it kind of sounds like I'm saying Earl, like a guy named Earl. But I think it's Ural, like, or it's Ural. I don't know. I don't, whatever. I don't care. It's Russia. Who cares? Um, the group planned to receive their grade three hiking certification, which is the highest, which will was the highest uh, hiking certification at the time in Russia, you know, once they got back. And I, like, these are the sorts of weird things that Russians take pride in, probably because their country is just a, a depressing hellhole. And so, you know, you just work toward your hiking certification. Um Whatever. Uh, on January 27th, 1959, uh, notably a very cold time of the year, especially in Russia, uh, the group of 10 students began their journey to Otorten, uh, which was the mountain in the uh, Earl Range that marked the end of their trip. The next day, Yuri Yudin, who suffered from rheumatism and a congenital heart defect, he was forced to drop off the trip and return home. So now this group of 10 is down to nine already. Uh, three days later, the group reached the edge of the Highland era, area at a narrow pass between two larger peaks in the range and started, uh, you know, and got ready for their big climb up to Otorten, where, you know, they were going to finish up. Um, after caching some excess food and supplies that they would use on the hike back, the group began their ascent with plans to make camp on the other side of the pass at the end of the day. Um, but as the day progressed, like the conditions just unexpectedly got really bad. A massive snowstorm blew across the mountains and the whole group got disoriented and they started going west of their intended route. 
By the time Igor Dyatlov, who was the leader of the group, realized how far off course they were, the day was, you know, sunlight was fading and the group just decided to set up camp on the side of Kolatsyakl, which is uh, Russian for dead mountain, which, you know, is, you know, probably a little bit uh, foreshadowing there. Uh, (laughs) Despite having uh, some forested land less than a mile down the slope that would have provided some additional shelter from the harsh elements of the snowstorm and the cold that had come through, Dyatlov insisted on camping on the slope to help the group practice camping on a mountain slope, which, you know, I mean, if you live in a country where you can get hiking certificates, you better believe these people find it very important to practice camping on a mountain slope. Um, By February 20th, I mean, this is almost a month after they left, uh, none of the hikers' families had received word from the group, and they demanded that the Russian government start a rescue operation. After a group of volunteers failed to find them, the Russian army then joined the search, and six days later, the rescue group found the uh, hikers' tents torn to shreds on the side of the mountain. And what was strange about that was that all of the group's belongings, including their shoes, were still inside the tent. Um, investigators quickly noted that the tent had been cut open from the inside, and then they followed nine sets of footprints down the slope to the edge of the woods for roughly 1,600 feet before they found the remains of a small fire and the bodies of, oh boy, (laughs) Yuri Krivonyshenko and Yuri Doroshenko. Um, Fun fact, uh, three out of every five men in Russia are named Yuri. I, I made that up, but it's probably not that far off. Um, both men, both Yuri's were shoeless and wearing nothing but their underwear, which despite how tough of a Russian you think you are, that's just not what you should be wearing on the side of a mountain in February. Um, a few hundred feet down the trail, investigators found the bodies of Igor Dyatlov, Zenaida Kolmogorova, and Rustim Slobodin in various frozen poses. I'm, I'm slaying these Russian names right now, though. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, after a brief investigation, Russian authorities just kind of concluded that everyone had died from hypothermia, which, I mean, is not the most mind-blowing revelation. Um, but uh, there were a couple of small, you know, things about, you know, the re- some of the other bodies that made it kind of weird. Uh, for example, um, Slobodin had a small crack in his skull, but the examiner didn't think it had anything to do with his death. He just, you know, was walking around with a cracked skull. And... Despite an official cause of death, though, no one could really understand why they left their camp in the first place, especially without their shoes on. The remaining four hikers were finally found two months later, buried under 13 feet of snow in a ravine much, much farther from the rest of the bodies. Um, These four, however, were much more dressed than the others, which led investigators to believe that they had taken the clothes from the other hikers when they died. And that just made things even weirder. Three of the four, three of those four hikers that were buried in the snow had severe physical injuries. One hiker had a skull bashed in. Two others had major chest fractures that medical examiners compared to like a car crash injury. Even stranger was that those three bodies didn't have any external wounds to indicate severe trauma. Like they were all internal. The only hiker who was very obviously injured was Ludmila Dubinia, Dubinina. There it is. Ludmila Dubinina kind of rhymes um 
she was found without her tongue, eyes, and part of her lips. And no one had any idea how that happened. And based on everything they could find, it seemed like everyone just left the tent on their own influence. Um, oh, oh boy, this is a, this is a name. Uh, Dr. Boris Vazrozdeny uh, concluded that injuries sustained by the hikers could not have been inflicted by another person because, in his words, the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Um, so, you know, maybe they, they fell, you know, but, but his kind of conclusion was that they didn't beat each other to death. Like, you know they may have just like fallen onto a rock or it was something supernatural. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, the investigation officially closed in May of 1959 with the official belief that the hikers had died from quote, a compelling natural force, which, all right, that's, that's pretty vague and kind of strange, but you know, whatever it's Russia. Um, those files were then sent to a secret archive, which isn't suspicious at all. Um, but, you know, however, the files were eventually released uh, in 1990, though some parts were missing, which also isn't suspicious at all. But, you know, it's Russia. Um, without much information to go on, people obviously started trying to figure out what happened on their own. Some believe an avalanche swept down the mountain. However, there were no signs that an avalanche had taken place when investigators originally arrived. Another hypothesis uh, thrown out was that the wind swirling around the mountain caused what was known as a Carmen Vortex Street, which is a, a just kind of a swirling vertex vortex of sound waves that has been known to cause panic attacks in humans, which is crazy. Like, I don't know how, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I guess, like, you know, the wind howling a certain way could cause some people to freak out. Um, according to a, a theory from Donnie Iker, uh, someone who has zero scientific background, by the way, um, this is just some dude on the internet. Uh, the wind passed over the top of the mountain and created the vortex and just freaked out every hiker in the tent. And in their disorientation, they fled the tent. Like they, they cut their way out of the tent and ran down the mountain and just kind of froze to death. Um, other people believe that the Russians accidentally bombed the group uh, you know, just they were using the mountain as just kind of like a test bombing range and didn't actually know that people were camping on the mountain. Um, there are actually several historical records that indicate that the Russians were testing parachute bombs, which detonate a few feet above the surface and could induce injuries similar to those of three of the hikers. Even more, uh, to back this theory up, another group of hikers 30 miles south at the time reported seeing orange spheres in the sky on the night of the incident. Was it bombs or was it aliens? Hmm, who knows? Um, obviously, though, I like if we're being if we're being serious, um, we all know that the group was attacked by a mink, which also is known as the Russian Yeti. Um, Yetis have superhuman strength that gives them the ability to crush the insides of their victims without actually inflicting any outside physical harm, um, and. To, you know this is true because the Discovery Channel, who is known for their thorough research and academic television programming, they produced a special on the incident um, where they sort of asserted that it was a Yeti that attacked him or attacked the group, even though they admitted there was no actual evidence of a Yeti being there at the time. Guys, like we, we solved this one. It was a Yeti.
So there you go. The uh, the mystery of the Dyatlov Pass. Uh, so if you didn't pick up on it, um, you know, it, it wasn't originally named Dyatlov Pass, but it was named after the leader of the group, uh, Igor Dyatlov. Um, and, you know, just kind of the name kind of stuck after that group died. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's really kind of strange. You know, no one really knows why they all died or how they all died. You know, it's just really strange that they're just camping on the side of a mountain. All of a sudden, they rip their way out of the tent, leave their shoes and, you know, a lot of their belongings inside, and then they all just die randomly. It was very, very strange. And uh, it's open to a lot of debate. And, you know, some of those theories, uh, a little more valid than others, you know, uh, is is the, the vortex theory, the, the vortex street theory correct? Did the Russians actually bomb them? You know, who knows? So, uh, you know, just a very strange incident. And, you know, one of the one of the really weird stories in, in the world. So uh, with that, let's see what we learned today. What did we learn? Number one, uh, apparent like I spent too much time learning about this. There are now up to uh, seven grades of hiking certification that you can get. Uh, it was only up to three at the time of the uh, Dyatlov Pass incident, but it has since been revised to seven. I I don't I don't understand that. Uh, number two, um, apparently Russians think that camping on the side of a mountain slope, an exposed mountain slope is a very important skill to have. Um, you know, all right, sure. Uh, number three, uh, there are so many weird theories about how this, uh, this incident happened, you know, I mean, was it, uh, some strange scientific wind phenomenon? Did the Russians accidentally bomb some of their own citizens? Uh, or was it aliens or a Yeti. Obviously, guys, it was a Yeti. Come on. Next week on Our Weird World, uh, because Japanese July was fun for me in terms of alliteration and not at all because of the subject matter, we are going into Serial Killer September. Oh, that's catchy. Uh, and we are starting off with the story of the Candyman, Dean Coral. And who boy, it's bad. So get ready for that. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends and keep it weird. 